Life Audio. Coming up on the Encouragement for You podcast, Dr. Gary Oliver on the question, Is Conflict Ever Healthy? and missiologist Steve Saint on New Beginnings. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It's likely that most of us are under the impression that conflict is not a good thing, that it is never healthy. Christian counselor and author Dr. Gary Oliver joins host Don Hawkins with an important perspective on the subject. Gary, most people think of conflict, especially Christians, think of conflict as something that must be always wrong, always sinful, that somehow we need to always strive for harmony. Can conflict be healthy? I'll tell you, Don, conflict can not only be healthy, but but I've concluded after studying the Word, and doing what I've done as a, as a teacher, a seminary professor, a college professor, and a researcher, that actually healthy conflict is a key to intimacy. Healthy conflict is a key to growth in our lives and becoming conformed to the image of the Son. Mm. Now, that's an amazing and maybe a startling statement for some of you, that there really is a valid place for conflict. The obvious follow-up to that, then, Gary, is how can conflict, when it feels bad, when it seems bad, when it always seems to rear its ugly head at the wrong time and, mm. and sometimes leave us feeling like we've been kicked in the stomach and left by the side of the road, how can it be used for good and to make us conform to Christ? Well, here's what it looks like. The Bible says in Proverbs that if iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, you know, it doesn't say that nerf sharpens nerf. It doesn't say sponge <laughs> yeah. sharpens sponge. You can't go to Walmart and buy a sponge sharpener. Mm. As iron sharpens iron, and it's in the crucible of conflicts, of working through differences. Every, every time you disagree with someone, Don, we've been friends for a long time. We have indeed. And, you know, whenever we disagree, what that means is that you have a value or I have an opinion that's different, and I may be all wrong, I may be 20% wrong, or, or, or you might be, but as I choose to understand that difference, not only does that communicate some important things to you, but I learn something. In the process, I grow. In the process, you grow. Hmm. And uh, there, there are about four or five steps that I'll share with, with the listeners uh, that healthy conflict takes us through, and the end result is increased trust, 
increased effectiveness, and if you're in a marriage relationship, deeper levels of intimacy. Gary's, I think about that great verse from Proverbs 27 that says, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Two or three observations come to mind. You've already brought one of them out. This is not nerf on either side. That's right. And, and both sides indicate that there's a certain amount of a firmness to be there. You know, iron is not a soft metal. It's not pliable. It's not malleable, uh, unless it's really heated. I mean, it has to really get heated before iron gets gets softened. That's exactly it. And And, you know... A dull instrument, when I, you know, in my cancer surgeries, Don, I didn't want to have a dull scalpel. Oh, no. I, I, <laughs> it's I, painful I to think about. <laughs> <laughs> to have as sharp a tool as possible. Absolutely. And that's what God wants us to be. And, and it's so important. Uh, the second thing there is that the iron sharpening iron is going to produce sparks. I think, you know, if you look at the analogy there, there will be sparks fly. There will be some heated conversations at times. There will be some passion, right? Absolutely. In fact... If we function as God would have us be there, there, there will be passion, especially if, if it's an issue that strikes close to home, that there'll be sparks and there'll be heat, and sometimes there'll be a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. And, and some of us just don't like that kind of thing, and we want to go crawl in a hole somewhere, or run from the conflict, and, and uh, how do we get over that? Well, you know, the first step, and, and, and by the way, I still don't enjoy conflict, but no. I've seen the fruit of healthy conflict. You see... Conflict, a, a positive view of conflict doesn't view it just as a, a pain to avoid or problem to solve, which is like the unhealthy view. Yeah. But it says conflict provides an opportunity to grow. And so when I have that view of conflict, when I have a view of, Lord, how can I work through this conflict in a way that leads to greater understanding? Then my first thing is, is that I'm going to want to communicate with the person I'm having the conflict with, and that involves listening. Mm. And the Bible has a lot to say about listening, and of course, the, the, the ultimate, the world-class listener is our Lord Jesus Christ, as yeah. he beseeches us and begs us and, and, and commands us and everything he can to pray and talk with him, and 24 hours a day, he's listening yeah. to us. And Gary, I think of the words of James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, according to the flesh, and, and he made the statement in James 1 that we need to, every one of us, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Oh. And, boy, are those three practical insights that sometimes we have a tendency to get reversed. Well, I, you know, I've spent much of my life speaking, teaching, writing, counseling, coaching, yeah. consulting, and, 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 and I thank the Lord that towards this part of my life, He began to help me see the importance of listening. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so someone once said, sometimes it's better to listen and uh, appear like we don't know very much, rather than to open our mouth and remove all doubt. Oh, my. <laughs> That's way too convicting. Uh, Gary, one other observation out of that Proverbs 27 verse about iron sharpening iron, yes. and that is that the friendship part never stops. When the conflict is going on, he says, you sharpen the countenance of your friend. And sometimes we think conflict is going to divide friends. It really shouldn't. Well, Don, here's the fascinating thing that most people don't think about, is that actually... The people that I trust the most, the people I'm closest to, you know, we've known each other for a long time, I work right. with Greg Smalley and uh, yeah. other friends, are those who I know, if there's an issue, they're going to come to me. Yeah. Those that I'm able to have healthy conflict with, actually, healthy conflict produces safety, which leads to trust. And trust leads to intimacy. All right, let's take a couple of phone calls, then we're going to come back and talk about understanding and how it relates to conflict. We've talked about listening already. Gary's going to give us some steps to take. First, though, Michelle is listening in Dallas, Texas. Hello, Michelle. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Appreciate your calling us. How can we help? Um, I, I wanted to speak about the conflicts that I have with my husband. Um, he's kind of a 
sweep it under the rug um, kind of person, whereas I like to actually talk about if we have something um, that has upset us, I'd like to talk about it and yeah. and work it out. Um, and he also has, I've even spoken with um, some family members about it, he has issues from his childhood. His mother ended up cheating on his father and leaving him and his siblings. And I feel like when we get into an argument um, or have a disagreement that I'm almost made to pay, it's almost hmm. it's almost that he looks for underlying things. It's just an innocent... Yeah. Could it be, Michelle, that he's afraid that maybe you'll do what his mother did and bail out on you? Um, I think that he might fear that. We've been married for seven years, uh-huh. um, and I thought that it would have gotten better by now, but it doesn't. He, his communication has improved, but I just, I don't, I, I don't know what yeah. to do. Yeah, let's talk to Dr. Gary Oliver about this. Gary? The fact that his communications improve is a good sign. This is a common problem uh, with men in terms of conflict, and, and what happens with so many men is that they will kind of, conflict comes, and that pushes a lot of fear in them, fear that, uh, that they might lose control, fear, fear that they might lose and, and, and say something, uh, and so... A lot of guys go into their cave, and women want to talk about it, which is very helpful. But for most guys, that's not their automatic problem-solving mode. It's, well, if I just kind of duck my head and keep down, maybe this thing will blow over. And the problem with the conflict is whenever you bury a conflict, it's buried alive. And so one of the things that you could do is when there is a conflict issue, uh, identify whether it's high-ticket or low-ticket. And, and my wife, Carrie, and I had a, like a 1 to 10 scale. One, one means it's kind of like a little pinch on the wrist. It's no big deal. A 10 means I'd have a spinal tap with no anesthetic uh, while at the same time having several root canals than, than, than not have this issue solved. So, <laughs> so from 1 to 10, and, and then start by addressing some lower-ticket items with your husband, things that probably are less likely to push the buttons, and, and, and you know what some of those are. Mm. And then as you start to raise those, just express your, your, your concern, what the issue is, why it's important to you and to your marriage, and, and, and then say, and, and honey, what do you think about this? Or, you know, ask some open-ended question, and then whatever he says, listen. Okay. And then before you jump in and share your opinion, ask him some follow-up questions so he knows it's safe that the first thing he says, even if he might disagree, that you're not going to jump all over him. And, and, and time and time again, I've seen couples just using this, this high-ticket, low-ticket scale. This is about a three. This is about an eight or a nine. That's been one way to establish a beachhead and to get to change the way that you do conflict. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Michelle, thank you for calling. Good to hear from you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gary, let's uh, zero in on this issue of understanding and how that can help us resolve conflict in a healthy way. Yeah, that Don, that, that's a that this really is kind of the skeleton key, if you will, that un- unlocks this. Because when we have a healthy view of conflict, that conflict provides an opportunity to grow. Then we want to collaborate. We we understand. We need to communicate and listen. But the key is when we choose to understand. So often, when there's a conflict, my first goal is to help somebody else understand my position and how I'm right. And if they could just see it my way, they'll agree with me. The problem is. When that's the goal of two people, no one's listening, and no one's going to understand anything. But when one person steps up and says, God, with your help, I want to seek understanding. I want to understand the heart of my friend Don or, or of, 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 of my wife or of my coworker. When one person chooses to understand, 
then that makes the other person feel safe. And whenever I feel safe with you, it's going to be much easier to trust you. Mm. And if this is a marriage relationship, when I know that I can trust you, then deep, deep levels of intimacy can occur. But you know what? No one's going to be intimate with someone they can't trust. Mm. You can't trust if you don't feel safe. And you don't feel safe unless there's understanding. Mm. And, of course, you, you know, Don, just all of the book of Proverbs alone, understanding is more valuable than gold. It's more precious than silver. Yeah. Uh, the Bible says sell everything you have and get wisdom, get understanding. Yeah. And, and yet, Gary, for some reason, we uh, would far rather um, not take the time uh, to develop understanding, to, to become, you know, able to understand that other person. Uh, many times we don't listen to that person. We're busy crafting our next argument, our next statement. Right. And I was thinking about uh, what happens if the marriage communication style is catastrophic, if everything is a 10 and everything is, you know, that's it, the marriage is over, there's, there's no way we can survive this, and it's all your fault. How, how do you deal with that? Boy, and I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of situations like that, as, as have you. And, you know, while every situation varies, this whole thing, Don, of listening and understanding, even though you may not like what a person's saying, if you can listen and ask questions, clarify, understand their heart, and say, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to agree with you, but, but you know what, I really want to understand why this is so important. This is like a 9 or a 10 to you, hmm. and, and, and I, I really want to try to understand. And when... Over several conversations, we demonstrate that we really do want to try to understand. Again, over time, this lets the person know that they must respect me, they must care about me. The greatest gift, Don, that I can give somebody is 10, 15, 20 minutes to look them in the eye and listen without interrupting. We'll be back with more after a brief word from our sponsors. And don't forget to listen for Dawn's live weekend talk show, Encouragement Live, heard Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio and other radio stations around the country, as well as on the worshipchannel.org. Graduation, whether from college or high school, marks a new beginning for each participant. On our next segment, on the eve of a college commencement ceremony, host Don Hawkins talks with Missions Authority Steve Saint about new beginnings. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if any man, any man or woman, is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And it says all that is from God who reconciles us to himself. But uh, let's, let's match that with 1 John 1, 9, where it says, um, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And then it says, And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And then let's look at Luke 15:7. And in Luke 15:7 it says, um, "I tell you in the same way that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance." He says, um, 
You know, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and goes after the one which is lost until he finds it? And then he says, in the same way, when one person uh, repents and comes to God, that, that that pleases God more than the ninety-nine who are living right and don't have to don't have to uh, mm-hmm. repent. So yeah. it looks to me that here that being in Christ, being his, belonging to him, and when we mess up, confessing and then repenting are really keys to uh, to starting over again. That's that's how we reach commencement, spiritual commencement, spiritual new beginning in God's family. And uh, King David was a great example of it. I just looked up two examples, one in... 2 Samuel chapter 12, where the prophet Nathan came to uh, David and he said there was, this, there was this really rich guy. He just had all kinds of sheep, and a friend came to visit, so he went over to, this rich guy went over to his neighbor. The neighbor only had one little lamb, yeah. and the rich guy took that one little lamb, the only one that this guy had, and he killed it so that he could give that to his guest to eat. And David, it said, was so angry, he just started storming around, and he (laughs) said to Nathan, that man had no business doing that. He already had sheep. He should have taken one of his sheep and offered it to his guest. And then he said, that man needs to die. Yeah, David was ready to make that a capital offense. And, you know, stealing one sheep is not a capital offense in most countries. And and yet uh, the reality is David was intensely angry because I think underneath that anger, he felt guilt. And then Nathan really nailed the situation when he told him, you are the man. That's right. Nathan said, you are that man. But, you know, the amazing thing is here's the the king of Israel if he was almost any other king, he would have had Nathan taken out and killed. Yep. But instead, David, it said, he, he repented and he confessed. And uh, then there was another example in, um, in 2 Samuel 24, where apparently, to show how powerful he was, David wanted to number the people in the military, but God had told him not to number the children of Israel he didn't want David to think that the victories that he was getting in war were because of the uh, the number of people that he had under his command, but that it was God doing it for him. But David just went ahead and numbered them anyway, and even his general knew, uh-oh, this is bad news. God told him not to do this. And then God visited David. The people started started dying, and um, it was because God God said, David, you messed up. You were arrogant, so yeah. I'll show you. And I think there were 5,000 people died. Um, and it was even worse than that. God said, hey, David, you have to choose your punishment. And David's choice was, David said, let me suffer, yeah. not the people. Um, God killed 5,000 people and then let David go sacrifice. But it says that David confessed. As soon as God pointed out to him what he had done, he confessed. So it seems that confession and repentance... Are really uh, are really heart softeners for God. That when we really say, "Man, I messed up," and we're ready to uh, repent and say, "I'm not going to do that again," God, you helping me. That God yeah. is very, very ready to forgive us. 
Some of you may be in that situation right now, and Steve Saint is talking about it, and you're walking the trail but recognizing there's some things in your life that you need to confess. You need to look at them the same way God does. You need to repent of them. You need to have a change of mind that leads to a change of life, and that's a very difficult situation, and we do want to commend to you these verses that uh, Steve has mentioned, especially 1 John 1, 9. makes it very clear if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, to confess uh, is not just a matter, as some people think of, as saying, uh, God, I'm really sorry I did that. Let's move on, is it? Well, I think, I think confession is, is largely admitting, admitting mm-hmm. that we've messed up. But yeah. when you couple it with repentance, repentance is more like um, what Paul said at one point. He said, you know, when sin abounds... Grace abounds even more. So yeah. he was saying, um, you know, when we sin, then grace comes into effect more often. But then he went and he said, so, shall we sin the more that grace might the more abound? He said, so, so what, you know, when we sin more, then, then grace comes into play more. But does that mean that we should go out and try to sin so that grace can, um, can work more effectively? And he said, no way. Nope, mm. nope, that's not what we do. Repentance, I think, Don, and then back to you, is is not is different than confession. Confession yeah. is is admitting, hey, right. mm-hmm. I messed up here, yeah. and it needs to be made right. Repentance is saying, I repent of this. I don't want to do this again. And it's in the spiritual sense, it's calling out to God and saying, God, help me. Please forgive me. I confess. Please forgive me, and I repent. Please help me not do this again. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, distinction that you've drawn there, Steve. And uh, just to uh, to uh, piggyback on what you're saying, uh, Proverbs twenty nine thirteen, I believe, is the reference where it says, "He who covers his sins, uh, he or she will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them." will have mercy. And and it seems like both of your two steps are included uh, in that statement. Uh, to confess, uh, the word, the root word is to say the same thing. So I'm, I'm saying what God says about my action. My action, I, I may have thought, well, that's not so bad. There are other people doing the same thing, other people doing worse things. I read in the paper every day about people who've done this or done that. And and so I'm just sort of rolling along, satisfied with my sinful behavior. And then God brings me up short, and I say, God, you're right. This is wrong. This is sin. I confess it. I admit it. And I'm coming clean to you. And uh, David in Psalm 51, 6 said, Lord, you desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part you'll make me to know wisdom. Before I can really ask God for wisdom to deal with the consequences of my sin, I have to be truthful uh, with God and with the people who are involved. And so I confess that. Uh, But then taking the next step, Steve, that you've illustrated here, I basically say, all right, God, I not only want to admit that this is wrong, I want to have a change of mind about it that leads to a change of life. And the word repent literally means a change of mind. And I believe the inference of uh, the ways this verse, this word is used in Scripture indicate that whenever it's used, it's not just a change of thinking about something. It's a change of how I'm going to, to live with it. I'm going to have a change in my behavior. I'm going to forsake that sin. I'm going to break off uh, if it's a, a wrong relationship. I'm going to turn away from that wrong behavior, and I'm going to establish things in my life, accountability, relationships, the nourishment of the Word of God, encouragement, 
whatever is needed so that instead of continuing the old habits and patterns and behaviors, I can succeed spiritually where I've failed in the past. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.